I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, a podcast where powerful women share their journey to inspire and empower others. This week, my guest is Mary Alice Malone, founder of Malone Soulier, based in New York. If you're not yet familiar with the brand, you are missing out. The elevated line of women's shoes was founded in 2014 in London and quickly rose to become a leading name in international luxury footwear. Stay tuned to hear Mary Alice's inspiring journey as a fashion entrepreneur. As always, if you like our show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. Here is my conversation with Mary Alice Malone. Um, I've been watching your brand grow over the years. Um, you've literally led a small revolution in the world of fashion luxury footwear. Uh, you've redefined a lot of the codes. You're a young up and coming brand and you've received support and accolades from fashion press and uh, e-commerce heavy hitters. I see your shoes worn by celebs, by influencers. Uh, it's really it's really been fun watching you grow. Um, but before we get into all of your uh, latest and greatest, I'd like to go back to the beginning. Uh, when you uh, when you were growing up, I'd like to hear about young Mary Alice. What were you like? And what were you dreaming of? Um, so I grew up on a really beautiful farm in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Uh, my mom, my mom breeds horses. So I, looking back now, I had this amazing idyllic kind of upbringing that was really sheltered from society and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, I think I found it quite frustrating, even though I had no sense of what the real world was. But I, I loved my horses. That's what my family does. They breed and compete horses. So when I was little, I think I definitely had aspirations of being an Olympian. But I always kind of secretly loved the way that clothes could transform you. Right. And that, you know, if you, to compete in horse riding, you have to have the right jacket. You have to have the right boots. There's a uniform. And then, you know, my grandmother was one of the most fabulous women I think I've, I've ever seen. And she was polar opposite to anything I'd ever known. She was always like out at parties and super confident and eccentric and had her own style and just this really fabulous woman who would come visit. And she hate being cold and on a farm. So she was always packed up <laughs> with like duvets and like, sequence pins and mm. I would just sit for hours and play with her stuff and just play in this magical world of what was really fashion but it was kind of you know right upstairs in this little closet and she was amazing and she got me very curious mm. about everything so then fast forward I I went to college and you know all of a sudden I figured out there I was aware that women felt so much pressure to do things like I grew up on a horse Mm. farm the horses don't really care if you are too fat or too thin or if your eyeliner isn't right like you know you have to work hard and you have to be a nice person correct those are the only two things that matter and then I got to college and you know, women were so worried about, you know, if someone thought that they were too heavy or if they weren't wearing the right jeans or all of these things. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know any of this existed. Hmm. Hmm. 
but it was kind of amazing and that kind of I think I always rather than partaking in it because I felt so foreign from that world I just sat back and watched and it turns out I'm really curious in psychology as well as art I wish I actually went into art earlier but I was just I'm very shy by nature and I was just so insecure that I would not be a good creator and I wouldn't be a good artist. Uh-huh. So I I never pursued it when I was young, but I, I did kind of pursue or was always studying psychology because I'm just so curious about how, why people do what we do and why women do what we do. Uh, that's so interesting. So, so you yes. studied psychology in college basically. I studied political science because that was psychology on a broader scale. Yeah. And it also meant that I didn't have to do science reports because I kind of grew up very dyslexic. And so science and math were (laughs) really terrifying. (laughs) So political science was amazing because there's no right and there's no wrong. It's just the case that you can make for it. And it's still people and actions. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So did you, when did the shift to fashion happen? Did you start working in something related to political science or did you figure out right away that design was appealing to you? I tried a few political science jobs and it was not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really love kind of living in a rosy world and I think I found political science was going to be so depressing and that you know the world's a really scary place and there's so many horrible things happening out there that I was like oh I just you know I really want to go create and I really really want to go create something beautiful and and kind of immerse myself in in I think in what I can make the world rather than you know what all the negative aspects of the world are mm, yeah that's so interesting so, so um, yeah go ahead Well, I think the moment I kind of, you know, I got a thirst for traveling the world and then all of a sudden, once I stopped riding and I had this kind of very disciplined lifestyle approach, I I had to keep doing something with my hands. Mm -hmm. So then I went in to like take sculpture and furniture making and then from there, that's when I kind of was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to go into shoemaking even though it seemed like the most random job at the time like who makes (laughs) shoes where do you even go to learn how to make shoes yeah yeah and usually it's men who make shoes there's not that many women designers for luxury footwear out there no well it turns out like I went to go make shoes and you know I took I found a course that was amazing and it's one of the best in the world and so I packed up my bags after I got in and went and spent all day, every day, in the in the technician's room, and I made everything. I made my own heels, my own lasts. I made every kind of pattern I could think of. I taught myself how to mark leather and tool, and I, you know, I was I made those technicians my best friends. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Teach me how to use this machine and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, once once I graduated and I'm like okay I'm gonna go do this company I'm gonna go start this brand starting the drive around Italy to find manufacturers you're absolutely Mm -hmm. correct they're all men everyone (laughs) is men 
everyone yeah. on the technical aspect are men and then you have women on the experiential side so you don't know how many arguments I've gotten into with a bunch of Italian men over what a comfortable shoe is. Because oh, they'll be wow. like, this, this is normal. Yeah. This is a standard fit. I'm like, but it's, but it, it's not a standard fit. And they're like, yes, this is a standard fit. I'm like, at one point, like, have you actually worn the shoes? And they looked at me absolutely offended. And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, then you don't know what a woman's toes are feeling. Like, you need to add volume. And we're talking about millimeters, like tiny little millimeters. No, we won't add them. Like, well, you have to add them now because because you don't wear them. And so Mm -hmm. there's no, you know, you don't know what's comfortable or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've, um, I've always found it so interesting that the top luxury shoe designers from Christian Louboutin to Manolo are all men and they have an idea of what they want the woman's foot and leg to look in a shoe, but we can't wear their shoes. They're not comfortable. That is one of the most peculiar thing I find about fashion is that all the women that I encounter and all the women that I work with and I mean, even all these women who are so fabulous and so confident and you know in these head-to-toe outfits and Mm -hmm. you know the the women who really consume fashion fashion who express fashion who are fashion are really these confident and fierce women yeah but Mm -hmm. at the same time we're still comfortable with men telling us what to wear how Mm -hmm. to wear it what yeah. size to be if you're not a size six well then you have to be a size eight if you don't want to be a size eight well then lose weight and reshape your body and then you exactly. can be a size six but yeah I, I that's the one thing about fashion that i don't fully understand yet mm. <laughs> but but hopefully we can you know hopefully at least i can be the one that's like it, you know it is my it, it's my job to both make shoes that are comfortable and for women like for your feet this is what is correct for you know your own biodynamics mm-hmm. not and you can look beautiful not just well it's fashion it should be painful exactly like we want to we want to be able to run through the airport with our heels on but you know they should also look good we don't want to go all the way to comfort and function because well that would be sneakers <laughs> Um, so it's really, it's really interesting that you're looking for the, uh, for the perfect in-between. But tell me about, so you finally, I assume, f- were able to convince some Italian men to make shoes your way and to be able to deliver on your vision. Um, so tell me about the start of Malone Soudier and building the brand and starting to actually market it and sell it. How did that go for you? Um, that was, that was a wild ride. I think I had like the, the notion of ignorance is bliss on my side. Cause I had no idea <laughs> what it took to start a brand when I did it. So I just kind of foolhardily was like, all right, we're doing this great. You need me to go see this retailer six times. Absolutely. We'll go do it. Um, we were really lucky from the beginning that we had some companies, uh, Bergdorf Goodman included and, mm-hmm then um an, an incredible retailer in the middle east that were like right we see your vision we're on board um and we'll you know we'll launch the brand and then kind of slowly slowly we all you know we started putting together the pieces i think for the first three years i spent at least half of my time in the factories 
-hmm. which is one of my favorite parts of the job, but I guess it's not, it's not normal for a creative director to, to go to the factories. And I was there so much. I think the immigration officers pretty much knew my name. (laughs) <laughs> but it's, well, it's one of, so that's good <laughs> oh yeah they did thank god <laughs> um but yeah I just I really wanted in the beginning to make sure that the manufacturing and that the product was really beautiful and that we could kind of keep up with demand right yeah mm-hmm. so, so and and that was a good problem to have but you had a lot of demand from the get-go so basically you had to scale up really quickly I assume Yes, we did. I mean, it's only been it's only been five years, and we have like two hundred and fifty points to three hundred points of sale around the world. That's amazing. Um, so it, it was a huge learning curve, kind of understanding how the collection needed to be. Everyone needed to be everything to everyone. So not mm-hmm. only did I have to make shoes that. that the woman in Beijing wants to wear. I also have to make shoes that the woman in LA wants to wear and the woman Mm. in Riyadh and Dubai, you know, it has to kind of incorporate London, Paris and like the whole rest of the world. And that was one thing that was very daunting, but was a, was quickly like, oh my gosh, how can we give every, everyone to everything while still kind of being authentically ourselves. Mm, Right. Uh, at that point, um, when did it feel like you had that first moment of thinking, wow, this brand is actually going to work. People want to buy my shoes and my vision is right. Did, was there a key moment where you felt like, okay, this is actually going to work? In some ways, I still have a bit of that anxiety. I think that's my, like the creative or kind of the artist in me where every time there's a new collection coming out I'm like oh my gosh I hope somebody likes my shoes <laughs> I hope somebody really likes what I just made but mm-hmm. I think one of the one of my moments for me was um matches picking them up oh, yeah. or seeing yep. them for the first time on on matches on net-a-porter just because those companies for a designer are are that signaling like we made it yeah yeah. And that's actually where I first came across your brand. I think it was on Net Apporté specifically. And it yes. was really refreshing to see something different on the market. Yes, I love color. I want mm-hmm. the rest of the world to love colorful shoes the way I do. Mm-hmm. Well, so far it's working. <laughs> <laughs> what would be, if you look back, what feels like one of the biggest mistakes you actually made since starting the company? Um, so, well, I, for overall, I, I kind of come from a martial arts background and there's this kind of really profound saying and that you win or you learn. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I really, so I don't really ever see, I see mistakes as a good thing because especially if you can kind of crash and burn early and then keep moving forward, <laughs> I see, I yeah. see them as I really do see them as in like it's part of the plan. Like you're going to make mistakes and hopefully you can, you know, the whole point is to recover and keep being nimble. But I think as a woman who has a company and who is an entrepreneur, I think my ongoing biggest mistake that I'm trying to learn from is not being as confrontational 
as I should be sometimes because it requires when you have your own company, as you know, it requires you having some difficult conversations mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. time to time. And ultimately, you know, even if I really do love having extremely amazing and qualified people around me, if the company makes a mistake, it's my fault. It's right. no one else's at the end of the day. It's my fault. And so kind of getting used to and learning to have those conversations is is always it's a work in practice for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that um it, yeah I'm not confrontational by nature I would love to just be like this sweet little artistic one that's in the corner <laughs> <laughs> well and it's a classic when a man is being you know forceful in business dealings we call him a great leader and a woman who's being you know uh, somewhat more aggressive than usual is called a bitch. So <laughs> it's that fine I know, line. Be, you know what? I Anytime I've been called that word before, there's always part of me that's like, oh, thank you so much. Like, I know you mean to weaponize <laughs> that word, but no, that is such a compliment. Like, if you're slightly uncomfortable and offended by me, amazing. Like, I'm super proud of myself for that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what feels like one of your smartest moves? Something that you would have been especially proud of? Could have been a, a decision or a call that you made? You know, what, what felt like a success since you started the business? I think I've probably had a few. One of them would be the people I work with. Um, seeking out to work with people who can compliment me so that, you know, I need an amazing accountant. I'm not great with numbers. I, you know, I really look for people who are so strong and who I can learn from, but I can also kind of breathe easy at night that, you know, my salesperson is amazing. My Mm -hmm. operating officer is one of the most inspirational women I have ever worked with. Hmm. That I think, you know, choosing the people that you're going to create your baby with or that are going to kind of guard your baby and and make it grow is is one of the things that I'm super proud of. Well, also, I was going to say kind of being able to stay true to to what I know and what I love, Um, as you know. Sneakers are super trendy and everybody and their mother is making a sneaker because <laughs> everybody is pressuring, pressuring you to, you know, like they sell their super hot ticket. You need to make mm-hmm. them. And I love sneakers. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with working out. I wear sneakers all the time for practical purposes. But there's no way that I could rationalize in my head making a sneaker that represented the brand that was not that was going to kind of outdo what Nike and Adidas and Reebok and all of these other companies they do them so well and there was just I'm really proud at the end of the day that I was like you know what this isn't for me mm-hmm. you guys do it well and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do it really well and I'm gonna I stick to that. my leather soles <laughs> <laughs> so what would be your definition of success today? And I'm curious if I had asked you the same question maybe five years ago, how would the answer have been different? The, I think in the beginning, everybody kind of has these markers of like when Beyonce wears my shoes and when, you know, Netta Porte and when matches carry me and when, you know, all of these kind of 
superficial, maybe not superficial, but you, you know, there's, there's always big, you know, big key marks where today I want, like, I'm really proud to watch, you know, to have an amazing group of people to work with. I'm so excited to see kind of the younger, more junior members of the team. We bring them on and they grow into these really confident women that, I mean, that makes me unbelievably proud to see, to be able to sit back and watch my team members shine. Um, mm-hmm. That I find amazing. And it's other kind of more more serious business markers being the fact that I have a really healthy business mm-hmm. is something that I'm really proud of. The fact that, you know, I, my sell through rates are going up, which, you know, as a designer, maybe that's not the sexiest thing when you, you know, when you have the option of like Beyonce wearing your shoes or like excellent sell through rates, mm-hmm. you know, now that they, now they've changed. I'm like, I, I you know, I want to see, I want to see the business do well. I want to see the people who are building the business of representing the business do well. And then, of course, I'm also a new mother, so my family, like, my, my daughter's taking her first steps, kind of, as we speak, and oh, I, love that. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't make them, like, sappy, <laughs> sappy um, with proud, proud tears the first time she picks up a crayon. <laughs> um, being so busy, being a new mom, running the company, do you believe in the concept of balance? Is that something that's achievable? Or is it more about just keeping your head above water and trying to keep grounded in any way you can? Um, I, I mean, there's no, there's no balance. I mm-hmm. absolutely have no balance. Like I work kind of 24 um, seven. Mm-hmm. I'm on a lot of planes going everywhere, generally with my baby, which is the greatest <laughs> privilege I have of kind of being a business owner is that I get to bring my child absolutely everywhere. Um, and then obviously when I'm not working, I am with her and generally those things overlap. Um, so no, I feel I have absolutely no balance, but I am so happy. I'm so passionate about what I do and I'm so passionate about like, you know, my baby and my company that I don't mind. I think Mm. my schedule is a little bit right now would make most people want to run and hide and I'm like how can I do more of both right. like I I'm so happy but I do uh, working out is is a huge thing for me and um that is definitely what keeps me sane mm. and then also there are certain like Sundays I think you have to put the phone down and focus on family yeah yeah uh, and a, a digital detox always feels good as well so yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, what kind of leader are you? And if we asked your team, how would they describe your leadership? Um, I think I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still getting used to being a leader. I'm still, it's still a work in progress. Um, but I would hope that they would say I'm a collaborative leader. I mm-hmm. really want to know everybody's thoughts and opinions, especially if you have a lot more experience than I do. Just because I own the company doesn't mean that I know everything mm-hmm. um that that's not true i definitely i know very little in this world <laughs> uh so i i'm very collaborative i want to know what everybody's thoughts and opinions are and ultimately you know they're they're part of the company too so that you know i feel like they need to be represented in the decisions that are made mm-hmm. 
And if you had to give advice to younger women who want to follow in your footsteps, maybe having a career, you know, in design or, or luxury or fashion, um, what would your top, you know, uh, tips for them be? What, sh what should they focus on? Um, relentlessness. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I get to work with a lot of Italian women. And one thing that I am always maybe learning and observing from them is that they just keep going. And if plan A doesn't mm. work, then plan B. Then plan B doesn't work, well then let's do plan C. Like, if you want something, you just have to keep going. And if an email doesn't work, then you call someone. And if they didn't call you back, then you call them again. Like. If you really want something, you need to, A, I think as in women culturally and in general, we need to stop asking permission. Even yes. if it is permission from yourself, I mean, definitely yeah. if it's permission from anybody else, stop asking permission. If you really want something, just go do it and do not, do not stop. If someone tells you no, then yeah, no, that's okay, fine. Maybe you're not the person for me, but I'm gonna keep going. Right, right. Grit. <laughs> Did you at any point think of leaving the fashion industry to do something else entirely? And I actually know that you stepped away from the business for a little while and then came back. So I'm curious to know about that transition. Um, yeah, so I, I stepped away during like right at that moment when I was kind of about you know when I was about to have my baby and so that's you know that's a really transformative time in a woman's mm -hmm. life and I kind of wanted to give myself a little bit of space to you know to understand what I wanted and needed to be as a mother and I you know I know most women kind of probably have this slight anxiety of like do I want to be a stay-at-home mom or mm -hmm. do I want to work or you know how motherhood it's it creates you. Mm -hmm. And when I actually got to the moment, I am really happy to say that it made me want to work 10 times harder. That's so fantastic. I was, I, I was, I was literally doing work emails from like from the hospital bed. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe, maybe I should have taken a few days off, but, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to allow some space to kind of, to know, like, to, you have to give yourself space as a woman, I think, to, to know, to go have a baby, to let it be an amazing opportunity, and to let it mm -hmm. be an amazing experience, and, you know, mm -hmm. the birth of you and the birth of, of your child, so, right. but mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of, I don't know, I got a lot of people to prove wrong. Right? I got a lot, I have to prove a lot of things probably for my, for my child. So I'm very happy with, with like how that. everything transpired. Uh -huh. And if you did leave the fashion industry at some point, what would you be doing if, if, if it wasn't footwear or fashion? I have a profound love for kind of health and wellness and training. My, um, my husband is a martial artist and for a while I was competing in, you know, in all my free time between, <laughs> between work <laughs> before the baby when you actually have okay. free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I really love for the same reasons that I love making shoes. I, you know, I, I really love 
kind of the body, how it works. Mm. Um, so I think if I wasn't dressing it, then I would be interested in kind of, you know, in how to heal it and keep it healthy. Hmm. I love that. Well, it's interesting that you've integrated the two together because you, you know, you're designing shoes that you want women to feel comfortable in. So there's also that element of caring for the body and study, studying how the body works, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's nothing more amazing. I mean, I'm not just going to say woman in this, but there's nothing more amazing or more captivating than a confident person. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. when you see a, like, a really confident woman walking into the room, it doesn't really matter what she's wearing. You're like, wow, like, that is just so beautiful. To see someone who's happy and smiling in their own skin and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they're wearing, it's, I, I love that, that light that kind of shines through. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And actually, that's a good segue. I was going to ask you who the Malone woman is. Who wears Milan Soudier and who's the woman you design for when you're, you know, working on a collection and imagining who's going to be wearing your shoes? Um, I, so I don't, I always say I don't really design for like a specific woman, but mm. it's more, it's that air of confidence. It's that air mm. of like, this is who I want to be today. And, you know, I really hope that she is going on a date in the shoes or that she's going in to ask for a raise or, I mean, if you're that type of woman who's so fabulous, she's going to watch her child score a game in soccer or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, yeah. um, that, that that's kind of what I'm looking for is those like, I, I want, I want women to be wearing them and to be happy and comfortable and to go experience their lives like that's what I find most most amazing or most inspiring is that you know it might be some like fierce lady in Shanghai that's like this is my company and you're gonna you know you're gonna support it and you're like oh my gosh I just I got to be a part of that that's so incredible mm-hmm. so and it's interesting that shoes are one of those accessories that really uh, kind of represent it's a power item in a woman's wardrobe right we go for if we have one of those tough meetings we go for the killer shoes or we you know we have a special evening out and there's that shoe that we know is going to make us feel powerful i'm curious about your own closet and your own accessories what's one of your go-to items that makes you feel especially powerful um this is probably why i do it but yeah high heels are the one thing that women put on their body that totally changes the way we interact with the opposite world and the way the opposite world interacts with us, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those heels make you feel powerful. They make you feel sexy. They make you feel, you know, every, everything that you need to feel like that's the one thing. It changes our posture, the way we walk. And I think that's why, why they're so magnetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it would definitely be high heels. Our, <laughs> I mean, as far as like, as far as work goes, I, it's definitely high heels. I'm very tall, so I don't kind of I don't use them lightly. Right. Like they they are for work. I'm not a, someone who just casually wears high heels around because yeah. I would just be I'm I'm already taller than most people. So <laughs> um, I think you that you know there's. 
no, there's there's something I kind of use to weaponize. Like I've got a meeting now. Like mm-hmm. we have to put the high heels on. It's like putting on your game face. Yeah, yeah. Your your war paint. Yeah. Is there a book that you've read at any point, and it could be fiction, it could be a business book, whatever it is, biography, is there something that you read that's deeply marked you or uh, influenced you? Yes, this is going to be kind of a a strange answer, but I think um, Chris Ryan's book, Sex at Dawn, was... Mm -hmm that that book I just I think I could re reread it several times I I use psychology as an inspiration and so this book kind of talks about the anthropological aspect of mating mm. and the when he looked at it is kind of amazing in that from an animal you know an animal interactive standpoint not you know it's all void of culture women hold such an upper hand in you know in mating as humans as animals mm-hmm. that i you know when he actually put it all down on paper i was like this is amazing mm-hmm. and this is something that most women today don't really think of like we hold the keys to it i've heard it you know everybody says it like you know women choose the mate Right. But but the way he, you know, the way that it's, you know, when you see kind of scientific evidence of like, this is why we evolved like this. It was mm. just, it was really, it was really amazing. And it kind of, it brings in the high heels really, really well. If we fast forward uh, 10, 15 years from now, looking back, what's the one thing you'll be the most proud of, you think? Um, I mean, I, I think... The, com- the company, the fact that it is, it, it is my, it's an authentic creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, obviously being a parent, I'm super proud of my family, but I, you know, I really, in, I'm really proud of the fact that I do work and I have, you know, this, this incredible brand to, to speak for it. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah, like, it's really, I'm sure in five years looking back or in 10 years looking back, like, I do understand how hard it is to be a working mother. Um, You know, the, and especially, you know, she's just a baby, but I can understand that it probably gets a lot harder once they're walking, talking, and in school. Um, So, yeah, to, to have this and to, to keep it. I think is will be will be quite quite a feat. <laughs> is there a quote or a saying or an expression that you repeat either just to yourself in your head or maybe something that you tell your teams over and over again, kind of a signature quote that you're known for? Um, it's probably one that I just tell to myself. Um, it's uh, I'm pretty sure it's Teddy Roosevelt, and I just he. I think he used to say, like, walk softly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's kind of a really appropriate quote for, <laughs> for women in business. Like, yes, I'll be nice Especially and kind. Especially women in, foot, but... in footwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be nice and kind and I'll smile, but there's a certain point. And one of my favorite questions to ask all my guests on the show is, what do you wish women would do more of? Uh, stop asking permission. Mm-hmm. Just, just go, ladies. Just go. 
go and wearing the heels, ideally. Yes, wear what's comfortable to you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let anyone tell you. I don't, I just, I know that there's so, like, especially with Instagram and everything, there's so, there's so many outside forces telling us how to woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how to look, how to feel, how to react to everything. And I think we just need to turn off all those outside forces. Like, yeah, Instagram's an amazing tool, but at the end of the day, you know, this person, that person shouldn't be telling you how to do anything. If you want to learn, amazing, but that authentic voice of like, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. I think we, you know, we need to probably start being more inward focused and just really, really, resi- like really resilient, really, I say stubborn, but mm-hmm. I don't, stubborn, stubborn, I've been told stubborn always doesn't sound so, so nice, <laughs> but I'm really proud when someone's like, you're very stubborn. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I'm proud to be stubborn. I was asking about, um, you know, what you, you wish women would do more of. And I want to ask you, because we're getting to the end of the year and 2020, <laughs> it's just around the corner. What it's is so scary that I know, right? I can't believe we're already here. Um, what is something you want to do more of next year as we are in that time where, where we set resolutions for ourselves? Um, I think... I know this sounds really selfish, but sometimes it's a little bit necessary. I would love to have a little bit more me time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I kind of, I spend all of, well, I travel a lot for work, which feels very 24 hours. And I'm always there for everybody else. And my job is always to be there for everybody else, whether it's solving problems or supporting or developing or, you know, collections and all this kind of stuff. And then as a mother, you are 24 seven, always so open and there for, for the babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can't draw from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. And so I know it feels like it's something that feels horribly guilty to me because if I do have a spare time, even if it's like 20 minutes to take a shower, I will spend that time with the baby. And sometimes, you know, I don't get to shower. But if it, even if it is like taking 20 minutes to go do something, I, yeah. I, prob- I, sh- I would like to do that. And I would like to not feel guilty about it because I think that's maybe the biggest thing is to stop hmm. feeling guilty for taking a little bit of time for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, women in general, we're not too good at that. <laughs> no, no. Turns out we're not. <laughs> um, what's next for the company, for your, for your other baby, for Malon Soulier? What is ahead of you? Um, I, I feel like we are, we're still kind of at our infancy. I mean, I know it's, you know, it's a company that's been around for a little bit, but it's only been five years. So in kind of the evolution of things, this is still the infancy. So I, there is so much growth potential that I see. And even if it is focusing, like I think most of 2020, I will be focusing on the U.S. and growing and developing that business here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you've, you know, you're based in the U.S., but you found success first in other markets. Um, so it's exciting that now you get to, you know, do it back at home. 
but it's been amazing to see that you know you were able to garner interests uh, around the world basically for your designs that must be really rewarding it is it was a little bit i mean i started the company in london so i kind of you know i, I kind of understand it but i still find it mm. so surreal sometimes most of the time i still find it so surreal the whole thing mm. so <laughs> i'm incredibly lucky <laughs> Well, I wish you the best with the company and with the baby and with finding a little bit more time for yourself while not feeling guilty <laughs> for the new year. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Um, I'm a big fan of the brand and I love your story. So wishing you all the best and thank you so much for speaking to me on The Brand is Female today. Oh, thank you so much. This is, it's been incredible. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really makes a difference. Follow us on Instagram at TheBrandIsFemale. Meanwhile, I'll be back in less than a week with our last guest of the 2019 season. Thank you so much for listening.